Hello again, listeners, and welcome to 3CR, your only, only radio left. This is Left After Breakfast, brought to you on another, another lovely Melbourne day. Slightly damp, but with that beautiful winter sun coming up. We love that winter sun in Melbourne. It's the only time you get a chance to go out in it is in winter. Susanna here with you this morning, Susanna Duffy, joined by my co-host, Glenn, the resident historian. His and her story and our story and good morning, Glenn. And Glenn, I apologise. Someone keeps trying to send me messages on my phone. This is the trick on all radios or I suppose on television that you turn off your phones before you actually turn. Good man, good man. You've turned off your phone. Listener, you can leave yours on. You can leave yours on and you can leave it on, especially if you gave a pledge during the Radiothon and... um, you haven't actually fulfilled that pledge. You can leave your phone on because you can ring us and make arrangements for payments. Good morning, my dear. Good morning, listeners. And it's your co-host from CoHealth, Glenn, who is your resident historian. And I'm going to talk to you about a fellow called Tom Barker, Susanna. Sorry, what? I'll be talking to you and the listeners about a fellow called Tom Barker. Have you ever heard of Tom Barker? Tom Barker. Tom I know. Barker. I used to... I knew a boy... Called Jeffrey Barker when I was fifteen, mm-hmm. and is he John... was he who, who turned out to be an age journalist. And it's John Barker who coaches Carlton, who's descended from oh, John yes. Curtin. That was a John lot. Curtin was well. John Barker, the current coach of Carlton, is a grand nephew of John Curtin, well, the former Labor Prime Minister and anti-conscriptionist. Well, that sounded just be, that. He sounds like a good bloke. Now, just before you go on, I just want to make a very quick digression here, if I may. Um, I was. I had an invitation a few weeks back, and I didn't look at it very properly. I thought it was to go some something on at the John Curtin, at the hotel in Ligon Street, across the road from Trades Hall. Listener, you know what I meant, the one I meant. When I only realised just yesterday, when I was about to throw it out, recycle the paper, that I thought it was John Curtin, spelt Curtin like you have in a window, mm. and I thought, how can they do that? And I read through. It was there again. It wasn't a typo had been done to us. And I thought, these are young people. They don't know John Curtin. I actually rang these people, this group, I won't tell you who they are, to say, do you mean John Curtin, C-U-R-T-I-N? And, you know, they said, yeah, but I said, don't you know who he was? And I said, no. Was he a footballer? He played for Brunswick and the BFA. Well, he played for Australia during World War II, yeah. I can tell you. He was born in Creswick. He played mm. for Brunswick in the VFA. He didn't drink the last 25 years of his life. And during World War One, he was an anti-conscriptionist. So he was a football player. For Brunswick in the VFA. I'll remember that in future, so you should know him. He's, he's a footy player. But sorry, that was and my... And great-grand-nephew coaches, Carlton currently, John Barker. Right. Anyway, Tom Barker... Tom Barker. Was, ...was like John Curtin. He was opposed to conscription in World War One, And a lot of people opposed conscription. Look, and don't forget, the Australian Army in World War One was the only volunteer army in the world. We tried twice, not we, the government of the day tried twice to bring in laws to conscript young men to fight overseas, and twice Australians voted no. And it was, big, it was a big coalition opposed to conscription. There was big parts of the Catholic Church, the Labor movement, the more radical areas like the socialists. And one group who was quite radical was the anarcho-syndicalists of the IWW, the Industrial Workers of the World. The Wobblies. The Wobblies. The ones who coined that wonderful uh, collection 
expression and phrases that dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Thank you, Wobblies. Well, um, International workers of the world. What did they say about the, uh, heaven and salvation? Army, but by and by, will it pine the skies? Yes, that's the parody of the Starvation Army. <laughs> what do they call themselves? The Starvation Army. The they starvation didn't care about the pies in the sky. They There'll the be pies, pies in the sky when, when you, die. you die. And the Wobblies parodied those. Anyway, Tom Barker was a Wobbly. He was around at the same time as John Curtin. So where was he Christian. from? He was born in England in 1887. He was a farm boy. Left school early, as she did in those days. Worked a range of manual jobs and joined the British Army. Being left the army, worked in the railways and navy, and being went abroad, went to the southern hemisphere, emigrating across to Aotearoa, which we know is the name for New Zealand. And he was a tram worker in Auckland, then later in Wellington. And it was a series of big tramway strikes in 1912, 1913. And um, summertime, it's big strikes in Brisbane, too, for the tramway. So hard type of tramways workers. But he was involved in the big strikes in Aotearoa. And as punishment, he was deported from New Zealand to Australia for sedition. What? Is that what they did? You met a naughty boy in New Zealand. We, we, we're going to deport you. He Not did. Not back to where you came from. He was sent to Australia. Australia. Why? Why? Because it was cheaper. He was sent to Australia. And he became, again, an active member of the Wobblies. And as I said, the Wobblies were one of the more radical anti-conscriptionists. Um, and the government hated them. Mr Hughes, the Prime Minister Hughes of the day, he hated the Wobblies. And we know the famous jailing of a Sydney 12, you know, 12 million trucked up charge of sedition and that. I'll, I'll, I might do a story down the track. Um, Ian Turner wrote a great book. God, when did they, Ian Turner's been dead a long time. Um, Ian Turner were written this in the 60s or 70s called Sydney's Burning. And there's 12 wobbly members who were jailed for a period of time on trumped up charges of sedition and arson. A bit like. Um, yeah. And, well, sorry, and littering, I suppose. Quite possibly. Well, we're not the first time in Australia history that people have been jumped, jailed on trumped up charges. We can recall in more recent years some charges against people in the 1970s who were jailed on episodes in Sydney, but allegedly they were yes. told they did, but didn't do. But yeah, the Wobblies were targeted by the government of the day because they were, they were very radical. And um, yeah, the Sydney 12, they were jailed period between five and 20 years for um, these alleged offences. And after World War One in 1920, they were released and charges were dismissed. Oh, they kept them in over World War One. Oh, yeah, from 1917 to 1920. When the war was over, like, oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, well, we'll let him out now. Okay, give him a chance to come out and back to civilization. It's a way of breaking your spirit, you know. Not just those who are incarcerated, but it sends a warning to all working people who take a stand. You take a stand, we'll do this to you. Anyway, good tactic of the ruling class. After Barker came across from Aotearoa, he spent time in Sydney, and he became a contributor, then an editor of their paper, Direct Action. He was active in many activities. Well, unlike the more modern one, this was a fitting radical paper. Yeah, I'm smiling and thinking of the modern one, but yes. My eyes roll. Anyway, he was involved in many activities. And the government used used a whole lot of legislation. There was the 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 Draconian, that's a power to say, early in the morning, the Draconian Draconian War Precautions Act. Designed to stop the Wobblies from selling their publication and arranging anti-war activities in the domain. So it meant you couldn't sell your paper publicly, you couldn't have demos, because you're in breach of the War Precautions Act, and you would be jailed. Well, if look, well, let's be realistic. If a country's at war, you can't have people running around selling anti-war 
bold propaganda when the uh, government is engaged in heavy pro-war propaganda. You can't really... Oh, it sounds like right now when you um yes. well look at we're having the same thing right now with what was once called freedom of speech you can be a bigot Mister he said that was Mister Brandis so you can be a bigot but as long as you're a bigot on our side you know well it's that's what it's like you know freedom freedom of speech is for those that have it and what did Lennon once say freedom for what and for who you know what does it mean freedom anyway the wobblers were targets of government persecution. And um, one of Tom Barker's most famous works was in July 1915, just after the disastrous invasion of Gallipoli. He produced a famous poster, an anti-conscription poster, which said, To arms, capitalists, parsons, politicians, landlords, newspaper editors, and other stay-at-home patriots, your country needs you in the trenches. Workers, follow your masters. How can you fault that? Yeah. But why shouldn't the, the newspaper owners and the polis go to war? The workers go to war. Who what, was it? Was what, it a, Wobbies, what a radical idea. Was it, was it Wobbies who once said war is a worker on each end of a gun? Something like that. And it was true. You know? Who died in the Somme in Flanders? Who died at Ypres? Who died on the bench at Gallipoli? Who died in the Middle East? Was it the, um, the big, baron, big newspaper owners? Was it munitions barons? Was it the priests? The pollies, the lawyers. We have a famous lawyer in Australia, a man called Mr Menzies, who was ah. an officer in the Rifle Brigade at Melbourne University. And he had a great military career in front of him, and the war started. <laughs> he abandoned his military career, you know. But he was happy to send young men across to fight wars later in his life, you know. They're always happy to send young men to fight, aren't they? And the age young women too. But yeah, but who were these people? They were they were all old white oh. Yeah. Rich yeah. men yeah. of power yeah. and always extremely happy, more than happy, overjoyed, overjoyed yeah. to send young men away to fight. It's like toy soldiers. They yeah. might have, maybe they didn't have enough toy soldiers when they were kids, but they just did that with real people. I used to wonder how that could possibly happen, but now I can see how, how it would. Well, that's why Tom Barker designed this poster, you know, calling for the, you know, the capitalists, the parsons, the landlords, the editors, and start home patrons to go for war. Anyway, he was arrested under the War Precautions Act. And what did he say in court? His defence was he was trying to encourage recruitment by appealing to the patriotic nature of the wealthier members of Australian society. Well, the legal members... The legal supporters of the wealthier members of Australian society were not impressed by his defence. Why not? What's wrong with people? Well, it makes sense. He's saying, yeah, you know, come on, you're, you're patriots, you know, you're wealthy, come on and join the war effort, you know. But, um, yes, the lawyers on behalf of the wealthy weren't impressed. So what did they do? They jailed him. And this year he was incarcerated for a week with an option of a six-month or £30 fine. Benny was required to pay £200 shorty to ensure he had not breached the act well, she was over six months in jail. And Barker thought, hang on, but these jaws are, these laws are dodgy, you know. I'm being fined for speaking up. Okay, I'll challenge the laws. And Barker challenged the laws and was released. He said that state regulations could not be used to implement a federal law. And he was right. They couldn't combine federal and state laws. They were different to each other. He was released from jail. And he continued being involved in the, in the IWW, direct action. I, I suppose hmm? they 
but they don't expect us to know the law. But he did. He said, you know, you can't use state regulations to put in place a federal law. There's differences there. And obviously in his time whilst incarcerated, he could read up on law books and legal advice. And, you know, he couldn't do these things. Anyway, he was released. And did he go quiet? Did he go silent? No. He got back to his involved again in direct action. He pushed the battle of the War Precautions Act. And again he's in court for pushing in you know, anti-war propaganda. This time he was jailed for 12 months with hard labour. He was kept in jail until 1918 when he was released. And he was deported to Chile. So there you go, eh? Did the rounds, Tom Barker. Deported to Chile. Did the rounds. God, he was in... Well, he emigrated mm. from England to New Zealand. Yep. They, for some reason, he got up the nose of the rulers there and yep. they deported him to Australia. Correct. Oh, what, what did they, I suppose they thought, oh, I just joined the other bloody convicts or something. Well, and then in Australia, they said, I'll oh, go and join. Who the hell's in Chile that they wanted to? Why Chile? It's as far, well, it's a long way from what Australia. What did the people in Chile ever do to deserve? I'm not saying they didn't deserve, maybe they did deserve Don Barker and mm. what a great man he must have been. But what would they do to deserve to be the bloody point that Australia, why didn't they send him back to England then if they didn't they want didn't him? They didn't want him back. The English didn't want him back. They didn't want him in the English-speaking world. Obviously, but Australia, Chile New Zealand. wasn't any colony of England. No, but it was a long way from Australia. Well, some convicts from Tasmania actually sailed to Chile. Did they? They did indeed. They were in the same jail that my, um, my mm-hmm. family member was, my great-grandfather. Mm-hmm. James Harrison was in the same jail there. But he wasn't one of the ones who got away. Maybe he wasn't such a good sailor. They built a, their own boat. They built a boat, Glenn, mm. and they sailed it to Chile and they reached Chile. Now, I thought, what brilliant sailors they were across the huge expanse of the Pacific. But, of course, Chile and Tasmania aren't as far apart um, as Melbourne and Chile. No. It's not just a few miles between Melbourne and down in, in Hobart at the jails there. It's the way that the, the earth's sort of smaller yeah, at the ends. Turned, yeah. No, it's smaller at the ends because it's round. Well, it's a Bartlett pear shape, isn't it? Well, but it's at the ends it's smaller, it's less distance, it's wider at the equator. It is, yes. So the further yeah. south the, you go. The earth narrows. It sort narrows. of narrows. It's a circular shape. And in circles you have a, you have a top and a bottom. Yes. Your widest point is your middle. The widest point is middle, just like me, in other words, the widest point yeah. being the middle. When you were, you were, listener, Glenn was describing a circle with his hands and it really made me think of Archbishop Desmond Tutu and, and, um, and I knew him before he was Archbishop when he was only Father One One before he became Archbishop Tutu. But he used to do the circle with his hands and say, the world is round. It is round. The world is round. And I thought, what a brilliant man and what an amazing piece of knowledge to pass on to the rest of the world. Well, don't forget, for hundreds of years, Western civilization, which is, it is a misnomer, Western <laughs> civilization believed the world was flat. Yes, and it took a as, long time. And, you, as, and as you have pointed out before, Glenn, it was Mr. Gandhi who said Western civilization sounds like a good idea. It would be a good idea. <laughs> but yeah, you got me thinking about maritime journeys. I mean, a, a place I would like to go to one day, it's on my bucket list, is Norfolk Island. A lot of Norfolk Islanders are descendants of Pitcanners. It's not far to Norfolk Island. It's not. It's three hours from Sydney, three hours Brisbane, three hours Auckland. I'm doing some research. (laughs) Sorry, it's it's stuck in the middle there. It Mm. is expensive, though, because I've looked at it because Mm. this same um, 
man of my in my family, James Harrison, he's spent two years in Norfolk Island. And I'd like to go and have a look and see the places where he was. Yeah, it looks like it, a website. But it was expensive. There were, uh, to stay there, accommodation is expensive there. Okay, look, let's go. Look, I looked at the. F- let's go one day, Glenn. We'll all go. Even for a Look, I reckon you only maybe four days here. We you, could all. I'm you sure. Fly on the Friday and you fly on the Wednesday. Yes, I'm sure we could do that and we could probably. And we might be able to get like a big dormitory bunk or something. Yeah. I'm sure you won't and mind those flights, smelly socks and farts. Flights from Sydney are, are Mondays and Wednesdays. Auckland's Tuesday, Thursday, and Brisbane's Friday. And if anyone else out there in listener land mm. would like to go, we could do. We could probably do a deal. I mean, with with accommodation. The, the, pine, the flax from the pine trees was one of the reasons that whitefellas invaded Australia. Norfolk pines. Mm. Yeah, uh, we had the famous prison colony, and I, I was just thinking about you know. There was a there was a good governor, if you can call a good governor. Was it, oh, it was two. It was Charles McConaughey. One was good and treated the prisoners with a bit of respect and tried, you know, encourage you know ways of changing their behaviours. And one was a tyrant who led to a prisoner revolt, which saw four warders killed in 1844. I'm sure that they deserved it. Oh, I'm not disputing the fact. But again, speaking of boats and travelling in Pitcairn, um, Latin America, <laughs> Paraguay, New Australia, Billy Lane, whose words were like were like thunder. And Billy, yeah, he's... His voice was like thunder. No, it, I don't I, I, know. I'm, I'm going to have to sing to the whole song. In, in my head, yeah. listener, don't worry, in my head. I, I don't know a huge amount about um, Paraguay and Billy Lane's time over there. Patagonia. Patagonia. But also, but in that late 19th century, early 20th century, and Billy, communes, it is a, communes were quite common to be established. And Billy Lane was with them. His voice was like a flame. That's, that's how it goes, his voice. You can say, Billy Lane, whose voice was like a flame, you can say. Another commune closer to home, it's, I think, three or four hours' drive down the western. No, you go to the western, you go to, what, not the Princess, it's the Henty Highway. Anyway, there's a place called Hound Hut, which is a German utopian commune, which existed down near Hamilton. And the really? building just, yeah, Hound Hut, H-E-R-R-N-H-E-T-T. The building just developed like, like a, a Christian utopian commune, late 19th century. And um, yeah, I've got a book at home. Well, one day I'd like to go down to Hamilton and look at the, the building at Hound Hut. And it was just, people had different ideas, and as people have different ideas now too. People always have different ideas and how they express themselves about learning these things. You know? I'd like to know more about Hound Hut. I'd like to know more about Norfolk Island. And all of us should know more about Tom Barker. Yes. And why he opposes horrible, sordid trade war. Well, we know it's a trade war, Glenn, you and I, because we were brought up to know it, it, it was a great war, uh, a trade, trade war. war. I said great because I was thinking, yes, I learned that in grade two. Uh, but you would have learned probably this, the thing about the same time in grade two because that's how we were taught in the Catholic primary school, that it was a trade It was war. a trade war. It was about making money for corporations. And did they make I mean, it? Wow. Armsworth, Armstrong Whitley, you know, Rolls-Royce, Krupps, Ford, they all made lots of money. And as I said to you, the Wobblies once described war as a worker on each and every gun. And it was true. One worker would shit have a worker who would shoot another worker, and it just became a circular process. And Tom Barker's like, he's, he appealed to the better nature of the wealthy. You want the war? Go fight it yourselves. Mr. Mr. Murdoch, Mr. Packer, Mr. Bond, you know, Mr. Mr. Twiggy Forrest, Gina Reinhardt, Lang Hancock. Don't call him Go Twiggy out. Forrest. He, he's in your mate. Okay. Boy, he's, Tom Bark was saying to people, you want a war? Go and fight Go it. Go and fight it. You're so patriotic. Go and fight this war. Don't put your papers out you know, saying, you know, we must do A, B, and C. Don't lecture us from the, from the pulpit. 
Do it yourselves. Get out there, fight it. Fight never hard yards. Makes sense. But I mean, you declared the war. We didn't declare it. You know, but why, why would an Australian worker declare war on a German worker? What, what's happening there? Yeah. You know? Whose deal was it? Was it the, was it the Australian worker was, you know, paid because Germany beat Australia in hockey or something? Like, no. It was the wealthy. And it was the capitalists. The pulp, those from the pulpit, the newspaper barons, the landlords. They're the ones who wanted the war. They made money. And what's changed now? Look at the invasion of Iraq. You know, look at the mess that's been created there by Halle Burton and these corporations. How well, they made money? a lot of money. And black, was it black, who's the um, the mercenary company? They go and call those black, mercenaries. Blackwater. Blackwater. How much money do they make? You know, they are now me. employed by uh, the people who... They are now employed by Monsanto. <laughs> Monsanto, Jesus. They're a class act, aren't they? Why do they want to have a private army? Because Tell you can. me that, listener. Because you can. Yeah, but what were they... Well, look, if I... can. Well, just suppose I could have, and I was possible for me to have my own little private army or my own big private army. Well, I wouldn't need one. I wouldn't need one. But why would Monsanto have one? And why do they... Therefore, why do they need their own private because army? Because they can. Is there a better reason? Because they, they want to clamp down and stop people in the countries where they're trying to put through their GM foods, their GM seeds and seeds. They're trying to stop those people saying no. They're trying to stop any protesters in these third world countries. And to do that, they have a private army. That's right. A a bunch of mercenaries. What a Uh, job. They're called contractors now, my dear. Sorry, private contractors. But what a job. What a job. You join up, you learn how to kill people, and then you do it sort of privately. And you say, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a great history behind me. There is. There is, actually. All all wars were fought by mercenaries for thousands of years. Look at the wild geese. The wild geese were famous for a long time. The wild geese. They were Irish mercenaries from the god of the 1600s, 1700s who fought in Europe. They were Irishmen who were taken, they were paid for by the kings of Spain or France or Holland to fight their wars. So they must have been good, were they? Oh, they were good. They, okay. they were the wild, I'm pretty sure they were called the wild geese. They were Irish mercenaries. Well, they weren't called mercenaries, they were called soldiers of fortune in those days. Well, soldiers of fortune sounds better okay. than mercenary, but well, that's exactly but the same thing. They killed for the highest bidder. All the, yes, well, all the wars in Europe. There was a problem with a lot of wars in Europe because a lot of these groups of mercenaries or groups of these soldiers of fortune yeah. would go, hang on, looks like the other side's winning, so they'd change sides. You could never be <laughs> Well, they did it all. I'm the, arguing. In uh, the 100-year no, war, which lasted for 103 years between England and France, that 100-year that war. There were mercenaries. There was one uh, group of mercenaries who changed sides seven times. Look, it makes well, why sense. Why would you keep employing them knowing they're going to change? If you're fighting a war and someone offers you a bit of money, it makes sense to change sides. But what I can't understand is two sides are fighting a war and they're both saying God's on our side. Well, how can you on both your sides? Which side is God on? They had different gods. But the same God, he's the bloke that... No, they were different gods. Oh, I thought it was a Christian God. No, no. Oh, well... But, but isn't they, he the same God? No, they're all different. <laughs> an atheist. I don't know no, the difference. they're all different gods. They're all different really? gods. Yes, they're all different, according to whatever Which priest God? or pope told you at the time. They're all di- well, at one time they had three popes, didn't they? Well, I mate. mean, apart from two holy Roman emperors. Now, Charlemagne. Well, he was one of them. He was a he holy was, Roman yes. emperor. Yeah, but that was when we... Yeah, but there were, there were two when Big Carl, when Big Carl or Charlemagne was emperor... I think there was still an emperor. There was also an emperor in the East. 
Well, nothing surprised me. The Look, Byzantine Emperor. Oh, we, we, can, a, we can go a long talk in here about In a big about city the... called Istanbul. Now, mm. people say, oh, you mean Constantinople. I'd like to remind people it hasn't been called Constantinople since a 1453. Long time, long time. 1453. A long long time. 1453. That's, that's a long time. Can't you call... I mean, people call Ezra... Uluru, do we have to wait 550 years for it, for people to realise what the name is? Are we calling the Grampians Jerry Word yet? No, we're not. They're the Grampians. Well, I thought they were renamed Jerry Word about 25 years ago, which is Indigenous people's name for the region. So They're still called the Grampians. They're okay. still on the, lo- the latest maps. Okay. Unless there's someone out there in the Grampians who could... Uh, Jerry Word. Uh, Jerry Word, who could ring us up now on 94198377 and let us know... And say no, the name is actually being changed. Yeah, Christianity is a sordid thing, isn't it? Kind of Maybe very... the, the, the the council is called the Jerrywood Council. Remember, I said to you recently about authority. Um, about this bloke Jesus and stuff. How um how contemporary historians of the day whose books have been accessed by historians find no reference of his Jesus bloke. So if you're oh. writing at the time and you don't mention him, did he exist? The, I'm pe- the men who wrote those gospels yeah. were say that he lived like in the year dot. This person yeah. they called Jesus, yeah. but the books were written in uh, about the year three hundred. Oh, I know. I'm saying those. Well, there's who, a lot of difference between. Yeah. I'm saying those who were alive at the same time as this bloke allegedly lived never mentioned him in their works. No, like you, like, like you and me, contemporaries right now. You write a book about this time right now. You wouldn't recognise my existence or stuff. So it's like, hang on, there's, there's issues here. Look, anyway, yeah, religion is an area I will bypass. Thank Christ, I'm an atheist. Yes, it's quite sad. Uh, when I was a young woman, and I was once, I was listening to... Oh, well, I suspect you were last year. Last year, 18 months ago? That I really, that I was filled with, you know, the hopes and amb- things for the future, and I could see a better world. My whole g- g- generation, we were quite sure that we had seen the end of war. We were going to stop all war. After all, we were much better than those old men who'd been running the world before we got there. Like Churchill. That those old men, we Menzies. were better than, than they were. And there was going to be no more war and we'd, we'd thrown out religion. Oh, and have a look at us now. <laughs> They're both back bigger and worse than ever. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, it's time for me to depart. I believe the, the bag man has arrived back from his uh, sojourn. Race nine, number one. Okay. Race nine, number one at Caulfield. Listeners, I will say one last statement before I leave the studios. And it won't be race nine, number one at Caulfield. My last statement is Chocula. Chocula. I feel like going back home. Right now, while the mangoes are ripe, friend, your penny's starting to blue, and them blue bones starting to bite. Hey, mum, I can just taste your fish soup and rice. I'm coming back home to you. Connect the pace of the city life. Soon I'll be dreaming and brew Heading out to Blackberry Tree now Hey, the dusty mud stuck in our head I'll have 
It's a lovely little song. Soon I'll be dreaming in brew. I love it. Feel like going back home now that the mangoes are ripe. Oh, yes, indeed. Be nice sitting somewhere where the mangoes were ripe. But good morning, Irene. Good morning. On Left After Breakfast. And look who we have. Our wonder man. Our intrepid traveller. Our dogged journalist. Our one and only inexplicable, (laughs) nameless Bagman. Good morning, Bagman. Wondered who you were talking about there for a minute, Susan. Good morning. Good morning to you, Irene. Good morning. Good morning to all your listeners. And you're back from Greece. And I thought you were there to <coughs> check on the immigrant situation there. I actually... Oh, the refugee situation. I actually left Greece in a fairly good condition, Susan. Didn't seem <laughs> to be any uh, trouble going on there when I was there. Um but uh, they're in more shit than the where would be duck at the moment. But um, they'll come out of it. I think, uh, yeah, I think they'll be all right in the end. They won't pay their debts and what'll happen to them? Well, Iceland managed. Yeah, that's right. Well, Iceland <laughs> went broke, actually. They just need to tell uh, the EU to get stuffed, basically. Well, that's basically what they're doing. Yes. They're saying, <laughs> no, get stuffed. And there are th- um, and I think uh, the second last day that I was there, about 100,000 um, pensioners who marched on the streets uh, telling the EU exactly that, get stuffed. 
the reason that Iceland managed to say, as 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 you so quietly put it, get stuffed to Europe was the fact that Iceland has its own power and Iceland has never relied much on imports. After all, they've had a thousand years of learning to live on their own mm. and they've had a thousand years of learning how to grow their own food really well and harvest their own food and their, <clears throat> their own oceans and they are inside the Arctic, half of it's inside the Arctic Circle, but they know how to live. Mm. So they could manage quite well with that. The only thing they imported were what is called luxury goods that perhaps you and I listen and may not think of as luxury goods like, you know, wall size lead TVs, you know. That soap. <laughs> Icelanders make soap. They have their own soap. And yeah, they make it out of whales. That's a problem. They, and got, why is it a problem? They're, why is that a problem? Well, there there's, are, not many, there's not enough whales to go around to make soap. There would be enough whales <laughs> to go around to make the Icelandic soap if the Japanese stopped bloody killing them for research and then cutting off their, a, a bit of them to eat. Mm. It's oh. not the, it, it, it isn't the Icelanders <clears throat> or the, what do you call the Eskimo people, Inuit, Inuit. people in North America. And it's not the Lapland, it's not them who take mm. the whales, it's... And I, it's Japanese. I apologise to every Japanese listener who has who has donated to the Three CRs Radio Thought. Well, we've done a, we've gone around the world there. We've gone from Greece to Lapland to Iceland to and, Japan and back again. Yeah. Oh. Where, Any, where are you going to take us now? Oh, I'm not going to talk about Greece anymore because uh, in the next couple of or next six months or so, I want to be able to drop in and say. And I've been to Greece, I've been there, yeah. and I've been there, and yeah. big note myself. Oh, you're not going to do that today? No. Nah. Oh, okay. No, nah, no. Well, <laughs> well, perhaps I can big note myself. I've got a letter. <clears throat> I received a letter last week. A letter? Well, actually, an email. So, yeah. But it was from, <laughs> yeah. from an English uh, lord, really, mm. who wanted to warn me about the Tartan Stalinists who want to take my land. Really? Where's your land? My three acres in Scotland. He, he said the Tartan oh. Stalinists want to take it. The only reason I have three acres in Scotland is because there's a family thing that uh, that I pay money each year for, basically. Your mother my, this is was my, Turkish. How does she get my a three-acre lot it's not in my Scotland? Don't ask embarrassing questions. It's not my mother's family. It's... Um, you know, it's my grandfather's grandfather's family, but because it, it's Scottish thing, it goes to the eldest daughter. Oh, does it? You see, the oh. land has to stay in there. I'm just waving through the window, listener to the lads of the building trade. Here's to the lads of the building trade under the flag of the old stockade. Down with the right and suck them with the left. And here's to the boys of the BLF. 9.30 every Sunday morning. And I'll the stop, concrete gang. And I'll stop raving on there. But I thought it was fascinating that the Tartan Stalinists want to turn my land into a national park. Tartan Stalinists. Three acre, a three-acre national park. Middle land, yeah. Well, wouldn't you like that to happen? Well, I, I, I thought it <laughs> sort of was now. I can't do anything with it. I no. can't build on it. I can't, do any, any, I can't even fish in the river. I can't oh. even colour deer because oh, I don't have goodness. the rights to that, but I've got the, you know, I, some of those deer have to be culled apparently. Oh. Mm. So you're the eldest daughter. Yes. It's the first time I've ever, ever heard you well, admit to being... Oh. Um, the oldest. I'm the only daughter in my family. I'm the no. only daughter for a couple of generations. Well, you've you got three acres of land. 
You, yeah, have, you ought to be thankful. It's on the side of a sort of hill, scrubby little bloody ah. stuff. Well, you could put some goats up there. And you yeah. goats no, build. no goats. Not, no. Not in the Highlands. Oh, Tip, typical Scottish, never have, happy. Never have, happy. You can't have goats in the Highlands. They destroy the... Oh, goodness. I don't know, Irene, but you could have goats in Greece, Irene, couldn't you? Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure there's goats all over Actually, Greece. in one place, uh, in a place called Hydra, which yeah. you've probably been to. No, but it's named um, after Hydra. I, I know her well. Yeah. Um, there is only... The only transport on the island is goats. Goats. Yeah, they bring you in by boat, and uh, when you get off the boat, instead of someone saying, hey, you want a cab, mister, you want a cab, mister, someone says, do you want a donkey, mister? You want a donkey, mister? And you pay them 10 euros, and they take all your luggage up a hill. Oh, the poor little donkeys. Oh, they, they're well fed. Oh, okay. And the donkey handler's yeah, well paid. Goats, you don't ride a goat, do you? No, the you Freemasons do. You've just slipped from goats to donkeys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They look the same, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, in Greece, goats are revered. They're almost holy. Oh, oh really? Yeah. There's some. Okay. They've got some certain name for them. I can't remember. And uh, donkeys are well respected too. I, I did uh, suggest to you before you went so rudely interrupted. No, before you left to go to Greece on on your exhaustive fact finding tour, <laughs> was I did suggest you have a look at a plate. If possible, look at a place called Kefalos, which is on the eastern side, sort of closer to Turkey. And you said that if it was possible, you would, but you'd be on the others. You'd be on the Western Islands, the Western Isles. I was up the Paris end of Greece. I wasn't there in the ghetto end. You were in the Paris. Oh, no. Well, this was the ghetto end. Oh, the ghetto end. But, of course, just after you'd got there, you know, two boats full of refugees landed up at Kefalos. Kos. You know, do you know that there's been something like 45,000 refugees turn up in Greece uh, since the beginning of the year and not one of them is under lock and key? Mm. And not one of them has been drowned at sea or not one of them has been detained under a dreadful... Yes, I know, they turn up in Sicily too. They turn up... Well, look, um, look I can ask I, 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 Irene. She knows the Mediterranean, really. Oh, How far is it? I mean... How far is it from Syria or Libya? How far is it from these countries? It's only, it's a well, short, it's, it isn't much further than a short paddle, is it? It's well, Spain's the closest to North Africa. To it's a ferry, a short ferry ride across, which shocked me how close they were. Yeah. The the um, coming from uh, if they're coming further along and going to somewhere like Greece, it's a bit longer, but it's not, it's not nothing like coming to Australia. But it's mm. but there's enough sea there that. You could get into strife. It's nothing uh, like going um, to Tasmania. Ooh, no, no, it's not that far. Yeah, um, they turn up um, at Lampedusa, Lampedusa, which is the most yes. southern part of Sicily. It's mm. an island, and actually, according to sort of well geography, if if we want to take geography seriously, it is still <laughs> well, it is actually <laughs> part of Africa. It's it's a landmass of Africa, as Lampedusa, yes. full of rabbits and no water. Well, it always reminds me of it. There's an author called Giuseppe Lampedusa who wrote a book called Christ Recrucified. But, but it's a very good, very good book. Sorry, will you, will you re- say that again? So will you repeat that? <laughs> Giuseppe de Lampedusa wrote a book 
called Christ Re- I Crucified. remember Christ Red Crucified, yes. but I've forgotten the author's name. Yes. Oh. Giuseppe de Lampedusa. What's this, a Catholic half hour again, is it? <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll get I'll, You're the one who usually starts a Catholic half That's right. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll check my Kindle. It's yes. probably free now. Do you, know that, do you know that Irene used to be an altar boy? Altar girl, if you don't mind. Altar boy? We, we weren't well, allowed on, on the altar because we were I've unclean. Had, I've you were unclean, yeah. many an argument with the bag man over <laughs> the years about this, and I'd say, well, I was never allowed to be an altar boy. I wouldn't know. And the bag man would say, Irene Bolger was, and I would say <laughs> she was not. And you kept saying, one day I'll get her in here and, and here she is. tell you. I yes, was, she is. And I could still probably answer the Latin Mass even oh, today if I had to. We all can. We all can. The Latin Mass. But we had to kneel yeah, outside. <laughs> we had to kneel outside the altar. We weren't allowed to desecrate the altar by Fair actually being to. on it. <laughs> if, 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 the, if the local bag of yeast had have known what you were, what you were to grow up to yes, be, no yes. wonder he wouldn't let you on the altar. Exactly. Yeah. Unclean. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, um, I'm being asked by uh, a producer out there if 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 we want to actually have a look at the talkback. All right. Not have a look at it, but if we would like to answer the talkback. Why yes. not? Well, we, it makes it more Which means I've got to put headphones on, which I can't normally operate with. But go on, I'll try. The boys often Make have trouble effort, with headphones. They <laughs> always say oh, it makes their voice sound awful. Look at this. I just no, had a haircut too. Uh, oh, your hair looks Almost beautiful. not there. <laughs> your hair looks beautiful. You look like Montalban. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I love that man. Mm. Mm. Salve, salvo. Um, just before we get on to talk back, and I might encourage people to ring in. It's, it's on 94190155. Oh, the head of Scandal Plagued Health Services Union, <laughs> which is now called the Health um, Workers Union, HWU. Oh. Um, the secretary of that branch has lost her legal right to enter workplaces due to her role in test in a testing scam. Now, apparently, uh, Diana Asmar, um, who was the secretary of the Hospital Workers Union, and a woman called Kimberly Kitching, oh, yes. who now works for Slater and Gordon, have been found guilty. Have Slater and Gordon taken her on? Yes. Wow. Yeah. But she's a cook. I'm sorry. No, Oops. sorry. She's not. I, I don't no. mean that. I don't mean that. Her no, she husband, feels cook sometimes. Her husband. Andrew Landier. Yeah. Andrew no, Slandier. Uh, no, no, her husband. The husband of Kimberly Kitching. Yeah. Andrew Landier. I'm getting confused. I was thinking that her husband sort of ran away when there was trouble. No, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. He ran away to Costa Rica. Yes. Yes, that's right. Was when he was lady? being when he was being investigated for a six million dollar fraud at the Melbourne yeah, University. That's right. Oh yes. And he ran away and yeah. left Kimberley in her nice house in Parkville there. Which Solomon Lou then took off her. I, I, so was Australia's that richest man. So was that her? Is this that, the same? That's her. And she's now with Slater and Gordon. No, Slater and has Gordon. She got a law degree, has she? Yeah, I think she's a lawyer. But oh, okay. she was a lawyer. Then she went bankrupt. Oh, okay. Uh, then she. Well, um, that's not unusual for lawyers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then she applied to get pre-selection in the Labor Party, about six different seats and whatever, mm. and kept getting knocked off all the time. 
Um, but anyway, her and Diana Asmar have lost the right um, to enter workplaces. Now, if you belong to a union, uh, you've got to have a right of entry. Yeah, it's fundamental, really. I That's think. right. Yes. And every other organiser yes. in this union has lost their right <gasps> to enter the workplace. Really? So if you ring up the health workers' union and say, look, I've just been sacked, can you come out and represent me? They'd say, oh, well, can I meet you out in the footpath or can I meet you in the coffee shop? Because these poor bastards aren't allowed to enter the workplace simply because it's now been proven by Fair Work Australia that Kimberley Kitchen and a woman called Peggy Lee did most of the tests on behalf of all the other organisers. Oh, yes. So they sat okay. down and said, you're, you're not too smart, young fella. i better do your test for you. Well, they've been found guilty and they've been found not only that but lying to the Royal Commission. So let's see what happens uh, to these people but, now. But what's, what tests do they have to do? What's the oh, test you have to – well um, – I've been. I was an organizer for over thirty years, and uh, in in my days, you never had to do a test. No, you, not mine. You either. had to be a, you had to be a fit and proper person, and all that sort of thing. And you had to. Um, that was all. Yeah. Now you have to answer questions about how you go about entering the workplace oh. and whatever. And who sets the test then? The uh, actually, it's the ACTU. Oh, okay. That sets right. the test. Yes. Oh, okay. So, um, so um, good old Kimboy and. Uh, and Diana Asbar colluded together and uh, uh, sat down with another woman called Peggy Lee and done the test for the rest of the blokes. How's that, eh? But they've That's been found silly. out. Yes. And about time. This is these are the successes to um, uh, Kathy Jackson. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And have they yes. also told? Have they also declared themselves bankrupt? No, they haven't. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Give them time. They're only found guilty last week. Golly. I feel really sorry for the members of that union. Honestly, I just think those poor things, they really need a proper union, don't they? Well, they do, but uh, this union, when it used to be run by a woman called Jane Armstrong yes, and Gal Gills and whatever, yes. was a fantastic yes, union, used to represent that. its members and whatever. Yes. But this union has now been taken taken over by the right wing of the Labor yes. Party, Bill Shorten, David Feeney, uh, uh, Conroy, all yes. those people, and they've chewed them up and spat them out. Yes. And the, the uh, unfortunately, the union's about to go broke. They've sold all their assets, and now they haven't got and the right to enter a workplace. Oh. Apart from Cathy Jackson. Oh, Cathy Jackson did her fair bit. Oh, she just declared herself bankrupt, poor old Cathy. Well, yes. it's, it's well, easy to lose two and a half million dollars when you're a, a dedicated shopper. Quite easy. Yeah, and if you travel overseas a lot, a of, lot. Times, yes, a lot yes. of times. Purely on members' business. I and think. you send your children to exclusive private schools. Yes. Um, this is the whistleblower we're talking about here. Oh, the no, whistleblower. Well, it was a bit silly to do that, wasn't it, when you haven't got a clean slate yourself. <laughs> no, but the point... Yeah, but she wasn't a whistleblower. No, she wasn't the whistleblower. It was a woman called Dr Rosemary Kelly, who was the actual oh. whistleblower from the number three Rosemary. branch. Oh, okay. I didn't know Kathy that. Kathy Jackson thought... got on the front foot. She thought, oh, shit, I'm um, going to be found out here soon. So she so blew she... the whistle oh, on everybody else. Yes. And now there are certain people that want to send Kathy Jackson to jail. Yes. But she has a tendency as does her partner, Michael Lawler, who is the Vice President of Fair Work Australia, to commit themselves, to commit themselves to mental institutions when they're feeling a bit fatigued or if they're 
due to appear in court. Yes. Um, it's a good move. I must remember that. It never mm. occurred to me. Yeah, just... Well, yeah. Alan Bond was perfect at, perfect at that as well. Well, he lost his lose memory. memory. Yeah. So did you know? his son. Yeah. <laughs> you can inherit a loss of memory. He couldn't... Uh, his son couldn't remember Alan giving him six million dollars. And he also <laughs> couldn't... No, he couldn't remember anyone giving it to him. He said, I don't know, it was a mate of his. Mm. And he couldn't remember what mate it was. Mm. Now, if I had a mate who'd given me such a whack of money, I'd remember who it yes, was. Yes, and if there's any mates out there, I'm... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> available. <laughs> Um, 94109055 if you want to ask <coughs> the bagman something about Greece or, or if you want to ask Irene where to send the $6 million. <laughs> so you're next. Oh, look, Come on. Um, look uh, while I was in Greece, um, I, people have got you know instant communications these days. You've got iPads and if you've got Wi-Fi and whatever. Where's Every- your iPad? Bagman. It's here. Um, it's here, but I'm not reading from it. But every every restaurant, every toilet in yes. um, in uh, in Greece has Wi-Fi. Now, if oh, you if you go to a, a hotel or a motel or something here, you pay an arm and a leg to get Wi-Fi. Yes. Well, everyone's got it. Even the hot dog sellers and the uh, the, the the blokes who make. Um, Popping Zulaki. corn. What? No. Oh, Suvlaki. <laughs> you won't get a Suvlaki in Greece. <laughs> anyway, for, foreign workers have been exploited and underpaid at one of Australia's biggest chicken processors. Now, don't tell me that slavery is uh, is not alive, alive and well. Um, because uh, Baida, which produces yes. Steggles and Lilydale brands, used a complex web of labour hire arrangements to outsource costs and risks at free processing plants in regional New South Wales. Now, most of the labourers that worked at these places were um, hired by labour hire companies and were engaged on 417 and 457 visas. And they were made to work 18 hours a day without mm. breaks, uh, without, without breaks. Well, you got a break wherever you could, or you pissed down your leg, uh, one of the two. Um, now, they were paid something like $5 an hour after 18 hours. Now, Baida, um, it's, uh, it's not a very good name in the trade union movement because of their slave like wages and conditions. Um, so, look out for them. Um, they supply to. Um, Oh, Coles, Woolworths, yes. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, well, I have I have actually bought Lily Dale in the past, but I won't be doing that anymore. Yeah, because right. you thought it was. A I thought it was free range as well. So some no, they, of it. You they didn't got pinched for that. <coughs> yeah, so yeah. I haven't been doing it lately. No, no. they advertised <laughs> that they were free range, and, uh, and they weren't. And mm. No, they weren't. Well, there's plenty around that aren't really. Well, they let them out for ten minutes, and then they put them back in. How oh, look, I would need a chook. How fortunate that I don't eat uh, chicken, oh. and I don't mm. know why anyone does. I don't know why any woman would eat chicken. They've, they're pumped up with hormones and the last thing yes, we need... Yes, but I can do a few, with a few hormones at my stage of life. No, probably. well, but not artificial... Well... <laughs> <laughs> what what no, about you, those What no. about those poor lads in Brazil that have been eating chicken? They've got, they've got breasts bigger than yours. Oh, <laughs> the age of three. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Because <coughs> of all the hormones. It's yes. not just uh, Brazil. There were boys in, in, in England at least 20 years ago 
that they started yes. to have that they it knocks off all their testosterone and of course they become female. Men every Ooh, really? day have to produce the male hormone. Otherwise, they revert back to being female. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The female, of course. Gee, I didn't You've know just shocked, You've just shocked him. Go Can I say, though, I have uh, I did represent 12 uh, animal activists once for yes. trespassing, and I saw the video that they'd taken of the inside of the uh, took place, yeah. and it was disgusting. Yeah, they it were was, eating each other. They turned cannibals, they were, Yeah, they? they were, they, and they'd lost... Some of them had all their feathers pe- pecked out, and they, uh, the ones that were supposedly... Barn laid, couldn't get to the food, and they'd lay down and start dying, and the other chooks would feed off them while they're still alive, and Golly. it was disgusting. Yeah. Um, 94190155 is the phone number. Just baby. Because we might have time, we'll have time to take one call. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Ooh, time's going Who is it? Ah, that's all right. No, there's no one Let's here. Let's take the phone call. Anyway, oh. before we do that, um, the Labor Party. This government oh. seems, uh, we're talking about the Abbott government, this government yeah. seems ever more preoccupied with secrecy. Now, the Border Force Act, which has just come into effect, yes. says that uh, doctors, nurses, um, social, any, workers, social yes. workers, if they speak out about the conditions in uh, Nauru or um, Manus Island or whatever, they can be jailed for up to two years. Now, this... Has, the Border Act, uh, the Border Force Act has just been passed and it's been passed with the consent of, of the Australian Labor Party. Yes. How yes. low can you go? Well, How no low? And the other thing is that as part of that act, um, they're not allowed to make notes of, uh, of what happened either. So what are the doctors supposed to do when they've treated somebody and they're not allowed to make notes? You scribble on the back of your hand. Okay. Yeah. And then not have a back wash. Back your forehead or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. That's a disgraceful, a disgraceful act, um, and it's been supported by the Australian Labor Party. Yes. This is the kind of thing you would expect from Tony Abbott, uh, who is heading the worst government in Australia's yes. history, and uh, the Australian Labor Party have gone along with it so that uh, they can jail um, doctors, nurses, social workers and whatever that speak about the despicable conditions uh, in those um, in those prisons. What's wrong with Australians? Why, why aren't we up scheming? Why, why aren't we hurling ourselves at Canberra? Why aren't we armed to, to, to the teeth and saying you can't do this? Because the Labor Party um, is in bed with the Liberal Party. Oh, dear me. Mm. Oh, look, I meant to say, look, I'm sorry, no one has rung on 94190155. Just because so I'm we, back in the studio. So we, oh, it's lovely, must, isn't it? So we yes, you scared everybody to, off. Yeah. Yes, well, mm. no, mm. I think they're probably too interested in hearing what both you and Irene had, yeah. to, had to say and didn't realise that the time was running out because they didn't want to take time off to ring on the phone. Didn't they? Is that the reason? <laughs> <laughs> You've been speaking to them, Beverly. Um, well, I, actually, I must say, though, that uh, having in the past been a member of the Labor Party, but not anymore, um, <coughs> that uh, I'm just shocked that they would actually agree to something like that. I don't understand it, frankly. No. I just don't. Yeah. Yes, well, right. I joined the Labor Party, Party when I was 15. I've told you before, Irene. Mm. Mm. 15 years old. Yes, no. I was I was a member back in the 70s and up until the nurses' strike, and then I was <laughs> persona non grata. But, uh, that's right. You, uh, you've seen the light on the hill. You've yeah. seen a dim. Um, <laughs> that's right. I see it a light. It's got dimmer and dimmer. Yeah. I can walk. 
Well, and we might talk about that at some stage, Irene, because I've I've learnt in this business never go away for a month because someone will sit in the chair beside you, and um, and become so popular that uh, you'll want to be invited back every week, and you will be invited back every week if I have to come here uh, at. Uh, uh, 9.30 oh. every Friday morning, you're coming to... Oh, you're to... going to make me get up early. <laughs> yep. Well, you only live down the road now. We won't tell them where you live, but you're only down the road. <laughs> it's not far. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, Jimmy, we must also uh, thank everyone who rang in and pledged money for the Radiothon. But oh, I right. also want to say mm. I had a phone call yesterday from uh, an old BLF member, really. I want to say good morning to Mark. Mark. All right. Do I know Mark? Yes, I'm sure you I know. I think I do. I'm just trying to remember his um, surname, but I can't uh, think of it. Mark, Mark. But he's a sh- shortish chap, Mr. Star. Good friend yeah. of Lisa's. That's right. I remember. He now Tell has me, Lisa's car. Yeah. And he's going to redo his car. Lisa's old clapped out bloody car that, you know, it was good on a hot day. Mm. If she could get it over sort of 30 miles an hour, mm. you'd get a breeze because there was no, no windows. hardly any windows <laughs> or anything. But, yeah, but that's, I mean, he's, he's going to rebuild that, that car uh-huh. and yeah. have it really, you know, fabulous. Well, we and expect him to ring in next week and tell us all about it on 94901555. It's coming up to 10 o'clock. Yeah, so good morning, Mark. Mark's yeah. 200Ks or so away from Melbourne, but he will make sure he will be here for our Radiothon day. All right. And we'll be able to tell you the date of that in a couple of weeks, but in the meantime, we've got to be out of here. Well, so. it's 10 o'clock in the forenoon, yes. uh, so we have to be somewhere else. So let's go out the same old way, Susan. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast.